Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Theodore Shapiro. He's an American film composer from Washington, D.C., who's known for composing various films such as Jennifer's Body, Old School, Idiocracy, Wet Hot American Summer, Dodgeball, Tropic Thunder, Girl Fight, Captain Underpants, The State, and my personal favorite, The Invitation. But I had him on the show today to talk about the new Apple Plus series, Severance, for which he's nominated for an Emmy. A well-deserved nomination at that. This is a great show. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, do yourself a favor. Stop listening to this right now. Go watch the show, and you'll definitely thank me for it later. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks. Hey, Teddy, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon to do this. I really oh, appreciate it. It's my it. pleasure. It's my pleasure. So I, I first, congratulations on the nomination. Well-deserved. Um, Thank this, you so much. I, I, I hope you don't mind if I just jump right into it, because this is such a, the score to this, I think, is one of the linchpins behind the show. It's something that really does drive so much of what's going on in the piece, because there's this, even when things feel very simple and there's this very pretty piano line, there's this weirdness underneath it all Mm -hmm. there's just it's this chaos almost in the music at times and it often plays against what's on the screen often supports it and it feels like it's very deliberate but it's something that i'm wondering because i know the show started as more of a comedy is this something that you changed the trajectory of the score um when it was more of a comedic piece i when they were for, for my understanding is when they first started filming this it was supposed to be more of a straightforward comedy and the drama was found once they had cast it I don't want to speak out of turn, but there's no, there's no information that I have that (laughs) it was ever supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. Um, I, um, the, the tone of it was always what it ended up being, um, as far, as far as I'm aware. So no. And, and in fact, the, um, you know, the main, theme with you know the, the main title theme which ended up um you know defining so much of the score was written before they ever started shooting um so 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 that that tone was something that was baked in from the beginning well that makes that makes perfect sense because it's something that the imagery of the film uh film that I, I have in my mind i see this it's just one whole it's, song, yeah, it's so. very cinematic it's very cinematic so yeah. in my mindset when i watch this, it's difficult for me to divorce these images from the music which i oh, think is something great. that doesn't call attention to itself it's something that's very small and very subtle but it's something that i think is absolutely it's so important to the telling of the story if you just talk about your approach to the scoring in this piece yeah so so um I, here the the way we got to the material was a, a little bit of a happy accident because when I when Ben first sent me the script and I think he sent me the the, the scripts of, of of episodes one and two and we started talking and I said well I you know my first instinct is that we should do something that has like distinct languages for the innie world and the Audi world and he's like yeah that, that kind of makes sense and we um i started writing ideas and some and and the the the, I, the thought was something more sort of cold and electronic for the innie world and then more you know warmer and organic for the audi world 
And I wrote something that was electronic for the any world. And it had this kind of middle section. And when I, I flew to New York, this is pre-pandemic in February of 2020. And Ben and I just sat and we listened to all the stuff that I'd been writing. And he was, he was really, you know, he liked a, a lot of it. But he kind of kept coming back to this one, like middle section of of this one piece, and and I thought, like, yeah, I should, I'm going to develop this. Like, he's he's clearly responding to something, and there's and there's more to be done with that. And um, so when I got back to Los Angeles, I went and sat at the piano, and I took the same chord progression that had been in this electronic piece, and I sat and I just played it at the piano, pretty much exactly like the beginning of the main title. And it was this, it was this real eureka moment because it, it it suggested that the entire canvas of the show could be this more mysterious palette and that we could possibly present, you know, present this one big canvas that, that, um, portrays the show or underlines the show as a mystery or a puzzle. And um, so with that, you know, with that in mind, I, you know, wrote this long piece and I sent it to Ben and, uh, and at first he didn't, he like, he didn't respond for several weeks. And I was like, Oh man, he hated that. <laughs> and, um, and then he finally called me. He was like, this is really great. Like I, we're on to something here. And, and so from then on, we just, pursued that path and it really ended up defining the entire score to the show you know and we ended up just seeing how far we could develop this relatively simple idea and can you talk about the you play with a lot of different sounds and this in different styles of um mm -hmm. of composition where the Early on, I think it's in the pilot where um, we first see Adam Scott's character walking down these corridors. And it's something that's very ominous and unnerving about how he's making all these turns and it seems yeah. like it's going nowhere. But the music that's under, that's playing it is almost like this 1950s, 1960s. That's right. Kind of, it, it has this feeling to it that it could have been a vacuum commercial from that. Right. Era. It has a very, right. uh, and some of the technology even looks that way as well. Um, where right. It has this... Um, dated technology in a future world, which is mm -hmm. an aesthetic that I absolutely appreciate, but I feel like the <laughs> music is mirroring that as well. Yeah. So, so one of the ideas um, that ended up developing as, as we got into the show um, was that, that the Lumen world um, would be partially defined by this late fifties um, kind of exotica jazz sound. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of those, some of those, some of those tracks are pre-existing source music, but then there are places, um, where I got to write that material and, um, and that scene that you're referring to in episode one is, is, you know, is the most involved of all of them. And I got to sort of get my Henry Mancini on, uh, <laughs> which was, which is, Life achievement unlocked. Uh, you know, it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite things. So um it, it's such a great scene. And as you say, it's sort of it's so weird and layered in such an interesting way. He's pulling out a Kleenex out of his pocket, you know, because yeah. he was crying before, but he doesn't know that. And he's like, why do I have this wet Kleenex in my pocket? Um, 
so it, it's it's just such an interesting scene and it was it was really fun to uh to, to get to play with that and the idea of these two worlds um the sort of the as you were calling the any Audi yeah uh, world the the thing that struck me pretty early on was this notion that you're incomplete without one side of it if you're missing half of yourself that yeah. there is if you uh, I think he refers to he's bifurcating his mind to have this part of him that ends up being a slave to work because that's all it ever does and this other yeah. side never is released from its sort of existence in a social life yeah and neither one of those sides are ever fulfilled without each other and I'm wondering about there are the as the show progresses, I think you can feel the music moving towards each other more, if that makes sense. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that as far as, you know, in spite of the fact that there is this jazz palette that that that's never that's never scoring the emotion of the characters. No. I think that that, that is that is um, just, you know, that that is a, a superficial um, veneer of happiness that that lays over the world of Lumen, um, and but you know I will say that we we did play around with integrating some of the elements of the exotica jazz with with the theme, and so so you'll you'll have cues where you'll have some of the sort of perky percussion of the exotica material, but the more mysterious. Um, you know, chord progression of the, of the theme as the show, you know, as the show develops though, um, we definitely do, you know, the, the, the score does definitely transform, um, and, and move into a more propulsive, you know, a more propulsive version of itself and, and, you know, sort of leading up to the, the final episode, which is just this, you know, one kind of big unbroken cue uh, that's you know a lot of propulsive material well and it that's really everything this is one of the most frustrating and satisfying conclusions to a show that i've ever <laughs> yeah. seen where yeah. if there was never another episode to be made i would find that utterly frustrating but also somehow very satisfying at the same right, time. right 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 there's something very perfect about about that, that it how it is it feels yeah. complete and where it just cuts off at that Definitely. moment and i'm wondering if um how you feel about that moving into something i believe there is a season two at this point has that been announced or okay yes it has so, so then if with going into season two um this pressure that might be there is there that sense of that because this is something that to me i feel like you've really made something special with this first season and you know in fact you've done this several times in your career so maybe you are used to this but i need to just pay a side compliment on a side tangent the invitation is probably one of my favorite films of the last 20 oh, years and i think that's that is, great that's literally near perfection as far as oh, genre great. movies go that's so great. you've definitely danced in that area of having <laughs> this, this stuff that just i think will transcend for a long time. So uh, I think you've done that again here. Oh, that's a, the, thanks. That, that that's, that's great. No, I, I, I love the invitation and, um, Karin Kusama is, is one of my closest friends and, and, you know, one of my most cherished collaborators and, uh, she, she's great. Um, but, uh, you know, there is a certain amount of pressure and, and it, you know, I'm, I'm starting right now to, sketch for season two you know they haven't started shooting yet but i'm just just developing ideas and and you know there is a um 
I think that there's a, a little bit of a composer's conundrum in that, you know, you want the material to continue to evolve um, and go to new places, but you also want it to continue to feel like the same show. And so, um, you know, I think that we had a lot of success with an almost monothematic um, approach to the to the scoring in 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 season one. And, um, and, you know, and I'm sure that, that the, the development of the story will just naturally take us into new areas in, in season two. Um, but, you know, but, but I also am trying to challenge myself to see how I can continue to pull, pull the material apart and sort of extend it or reorder it, or, you know, just, just vary it in, in different ways so that we feel like we're hearing, you know, the same, the same material, but in fresh ways. Oh, that, that makes perfect sense where you have these themes that you built upon and you're, while the canvas has clearly been opened up in ways, in the way this is going to head, there's so many directions this could be heading in that I feel yeah. like, yeah, you could clearly work in that, but it feels like there's really limitless possibilities where this show could go yeah. at this point. So, and I'm so excited to see where this goes. Cause it's not, there's, I'm, I'm a movie guy. There's, and it's really difficult for me to justify um, multiple hours to a television show streaming mm-hmm. everything at once. That it's just in that same amount of time. When somebody says you could watch, you know, just hang out. You need to watch the first six episodes, and then by season three, you'll actually understand what's going. It's on. really, yeah, it. it really starts getting good. Yeah, no, and right. it's like there's too many movies I haven't seen in my life yeah. to justify yeah. that. There's too many things that I'm not familiar with that I could. There could be never be another movie made, and I still would never get around to all the amazing work I've never seen. So yeah. to spend 10 hours on something on a TV show like this is I, I don't do that. And it's do, something that I'm looking you, forward to going to more. I'll 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 ask you a question. Yeah, do you, please. Do you find that um do you find how, how do you find watching movies at home? Um okay, so it's there's two separate things with I watched more movies at home my entire life prior right. to anything that's happened recently yeah. um, or even just pandemic aside, the way that watching movies has changed in the last 10 years, um, you know, good and bad and the ugly. The first time I saw that was on VHS yeah, and yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, that was in pan and scan and it was on right. four by three TV and it was a really bad right. copy, but I still fell in love with it. Right. Um, right. There's something very special about going to a movie theater that I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, my TV has never been better. My sound system has never been better. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, I've, so I'm able to make it as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of concise storytelling, I just appreciate the idea that you can have something yeah. and tell that story in an hour and a half, three yeah. hours, however long Absolutely. that is and be in and out. Yeah. Um, to me, what, what about for you? I, I mean, how does you know, that affect you? I mean, I love I really love going to the movies. I haven't done a lot of it in the last couple of years for some reason. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I miss that experience terribly. Um, but I, but in the realm of watching things at home, I somehow find that I'm, I'm more easily able to take in, to take in TV shows and the smaller chunks um than I am a two-hour feature. Um and you know some of that is just um re- you know just just related to 
to lifestyle and, you know, having children and, yep. you know, and just, just the various things um, that, that, that make it hard to block off two hours. Um, but, but I don't know. There's also some way in which I find that, um, is recording us right now so we're just going to talk right here you know okay today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by bookman's so earlier today when i went into bookman's i was thinking about the conversation i was having earlier today and i just wanted to check out a movie that maybe was a genre film but had a little bit more on its mind something that was a horror film maybe something that had a political or social commentary underneath it And when I walked into Bookman's, I happened to come across the 4K edition of Candyman, uh, the one that Scream Factory put out earlier this year, and it's a phenomenal set. I'm really looking forward to watching it tonight. But today I'm joined by my son, Jacob, who had some questions about Candyman, the movie. When he was looking at uh, the Blu-ray cover, he had some questions. So let's kind of go through those right now. So Jacob, come here. Yes. Uh, What is your first question about this Candyman? Um, um, what? What happens if you say his name five times? That's a a good question, because on the bottom of the Blu-ray case, it says, we dare you to say his name five times. So if you look in a mirror in the movie and you say Candyman five times, Candyman will appear. He'll come there. And he'll kill. Oh, well, wow. Um, I I didn't tell you that, but yeah, that's that's what would happen. Because this is make-believe, it's not a real thing that happens, this is just a story, it's just pretend. Good, good, good. So Candyman shows up in the room and then lights out. So do you have any other questions about the uh, the Blu-ray case here that you're looking at? Uh, why is there a bee right there? Okay, that's a good question. So the bee is there because Candyman, uh, well, what do you think? Well, if you had to, if you were going to watch this movie, if you had to think, why would there be a bee there? What do you think is going on in this picture? I think a, um, a bee affected him. That's right. He, he was bitten by bees. That's right. Yep. That, that's that's why there's a bee there, because the Candyman was bitten by bees. And and means, so, means, means he would kill the bees that did that? Well, no, not necessarily. But, so do you have any other questions about this on here? Um... Oh, that's Candyman. That's just a reflection. So this is this eyeball right here. It represents there's a woman who's looking in the mirror and then she can see Candyman in the mirror also. So I think that's what that's trying to portray. So I have a question for you about this movie. Do you think this is a movie that a kid should watch? No. Is this a movie that you ever think you'll watch when you're a grown up? Do you ever want to see Candyman? When you're a grown-up? Okay, cool. As long as it's not too horrifying. It's not that bad. It's a lot of fun. Mom loves this movie. I love this movie, so we're going to probably watch this later tonight. Wait, but how do you know all this stuff? How do I know all this about it? Well, because I like movies a lot. That's why I have a movie podcast, so that I can talk about movies. And why do you actually know all about what's in this movie? Because I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh. Um, the classic one, like part one? Yeah, well, there's actually, there's four Candyman movies. There's uh, three that star Tony Todd, who's that guy right there. He's actually, Tony Todd is a really 
well-respected genre actor. I like him a lot. In fact, we're connected on Twitter and we end up talking about music a lot. So really nice guy. He's not scary at all, the guy who plays Candyman in real life. And then there was a remake that was done, or I guess it's kind of a sequel to it that was done recently, came out last year that's really, really good, or a couple years now, I guess it's, it's been out for. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. But Ask a new yeah. question. Why is it a point deal? Well, that just makes it a little bit more horrifying. So, I think we need to get back to the interview. Why don't you uh, just go ahead and say thank you for listening to the show to the people. Thank you for listening to the show. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Enjoy the rest of the show. You know, the sort of cinematic dream state, which I associate so much with being in a theater, um, I don't put the same pressure on on a streaming series, you know, on, on a television show to, to send me to the same place. So I'm, it's an easier, it's an easier thing for me to do. And I, and I think that's one of the problems I have that it's um, for whatever that reason is, if I know that it's a TV show and it could be something that's commanding my attention immediately, it's easier to get pulled out of it for me for whatever reason. I really wish that there was a hybrid of some kind where they, you know, for the, the season finale, uh, the series finale or whatever it is, there's something like Severance. If I could have gone to a theater or gone yeah. to a room and watched that with 50 strangers, you know, just in that yep. room to feel everybody going through that emotional arc together. Yeah. That would be incredibly satisfying. And I think it would hold up in that kind of a room. I think. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think it would too. I think it would too. Um, you know, and, and, and but, but, but the flip side of, of, of all of this is that a great series, you know, I, I've found that, um, you know, the best series I get as emotionally engaged in sure. as I do a good film, you know, I mean, I, um, you know, like, first of all, one of the, one of the great delights of working on, on this show was that I really felt like I got to experience it fresh as an audience member. You know, I work on so many features where, um, you know, by the time it's in the theaters, I've just seen it so many times. And um, and so I never feel like I get that experience of, of, of seeing the thing in a fresh way. And just because of the nature of the process of, of working on a series where it's, you know, you you're not screening all nine episodes in front of a test audience and that, you know, like, it's just not possible. Um, You know, I walked into it as an audience member with a certain amount of freshness. And I, I mean, I I really loved watching the show as an audience member, which was so amazing and something that just rarely happens for me. You know, I just don't get that, that pleasure. So Uh, are you able to go back and revisit stuff? You know, because I I look over your career and you have just, I mean, right from the beginning, the state, you know, something like that, which uh, I I guess it's because I'm 46. So we're probably not that far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're close. Where that was a show that hit at that exact moment where it was, there was just a handful of shows that were even, it was that Mr. Show, a few other things that were sort of in that same neighborhood, Kids in the Hall. These were all really big, important things to me, but to see something like that and those images will stay with me. Those sketches will stay with me for my whole life. There's things that me and my circle of friends can still reference to this day. And this is something that I haven't gone back and watched it in probably 15 years at this point. It's so 
hard etched into my DNA at this point. And I'm wondering if you do you go back and revisit things? Are you able to go back and watch your old work and enjoy it? I've definitely not so much with the state. I don't remember the last time I saw it. I think that that would horrify me just because, <laughs> um, you know, I was so green. I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing when I was working on that show. I had like the most rudimentary equipment. I was totally unqualified. Um, and uh, somehow got the job to to work on that show. I, um, I'm sure that I would, maybe there'd be a couple of moments where I'd be like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. But for the most part, I feel like I would be just wanting to crawl under the, <laughs> under the sofa. But um, doesn't that kind of fit the aesthetic of the whole show there? I mean, despite, if you look at every cast member of that show has gone on to have an amazing career and everybody who's even associated on any level, yeah, but a lot of people were figuring that out as they were making that show. There wasn't a ton of experience under the belts. There was live theater experience, but as far as in front of a camera, there wasn't a ton of experience on that cast. No, at it's that true. Time. It's so true. there's kind of this punk rock. We're just putting this thing together, and nobody gave us permission. Definitely. So, yeah, I, I mean, I probably if I had more perspective, <laughs> I'd be able to like listen to my work and be like, Oh, there's, there's something kind of cool about the fact that it sounds crappy, but uh, like, I think that <laughs> I would just be saying. embarrassed. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, but I, I have, um, I have gone back and watched a bunch of older movies, especially, you know, as, as my kids have gotten old enough to see them and um, you know, things like uh, you know, dodgeball or, or blades of glory or th- sure. things like that, you know, I've, it, you know, I, I generally am so, it's so painful for me to, to see things that I've done um, because I just sort of, you know, I'm just cataloging the mistakes that I've made. Um, but, 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 you know, as the time grows a little bit longer, I'm able to sort of spot some good things and be like, oh, wow, I did that. Okay. That was pretty good. Um, so How yeah. Your so, kids, by the way. What's that? How old are your kids? They're now 17 and 15. Oh, 17 and 15. Okay, yeah. great. So they could really go through almost your entire body. Oh, no, yeah, they, they can do. I, my, my daughter has watched Severance and, and uh, you know, and Destroyer and sort of the, 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 the more gnarly uh, things in my catalog. So, um, no, they're, 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 the gloves are off with them. <laughs> It's, you know, it doesn't matter what you, I have a 12 year old and a six year old. And so it's good to have kids. They keep you humble, no matter how, yeah. if you get inside your head and you start feeling good about what you're doing in life, it's yeah, good yeah. Have kids. They'll, they'll keep you honest. Totally. Sense. They're totally. not impressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then what, what's something that you haven't done that you would want to do? Cause your, your career has been, you've done a little bit of everything when I look through yeah. that I can see, but is there something that you just haven't done yet that you'd want to? You know, it's funny. I can't really. Um, it's hard for me to think of it that way when when the experience is really so much about the relationship with the filmmakers that I work with. So, like, I just feel you know, like for example, like I like I loved as a kid. Like, I loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like that that was like my my sure. you know. Uh, that was the cinematic experience that 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 was really formative for, for me. And so, like on the one hand, it's like, oh, well, it'd be fun to do, you know, some sort of a some sort of a adventure movie like that, and it would. But 
it's not going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like there's only one of those. So I, I, I really sort of think of it more just that I hope to continue working with, with filmmakers that I love and, and, you know, and that we just keep going to new places. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That the relationships, if you're going to spend that much time with somebody and it's a, a pretty intimate relationship with you and a filmmaker, I would imagine going back and forth and designing those things. You want to work with people you like and or at the very least respect, I would hope. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and you must be pretty decent to work with. Cause I noticed that you keep getting you're a repeat offender. You seem to work with the, the same I'm people. Decent. Over <laughs> I'm decent. That's my, that's on my business card. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I, I I do have a lot of of um, you know longstanding relationships with wonderful filmmakers who are themselves good people, and um, you know, I mean, that's what the that's what this business is based on is 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 those relationships, and um, you know, and and just the the more I advance into my career the more my interests are just in you know building those relationships and you know it's not to be the king of hollywood it's just to to really nurture those relationships and and see see where we can take them and um that's you know that, that that's that's the joy of it this uh might, might sound like a strange question but i'm wondering if you ever look over your body of work and there's that you're, you're an incredibly talented artist and I really do appreciate your work, but I wonder if you ever have that moment of pinching yourself and going, my God, I've worked on some cool shit. Like I've been involved. In <laughs> yeah. Some really good yeah. Projects, no, so. I mean, I, I de definitely, I mean, uh, I do have, I do have that. Um, and you know, it, it, it's, it's funny because it's it's it is so often the case i mean the, you know severance has been this like magical experience where um just sort of from the moment it came out like the response to it was so overwhelmingly positive and and people were obsessed with it and it's gotten all these nominations and, and you know like like that's the thing that you sort of hope will happen every time but like it never happens, you know, and, yeah. and I've worked on so many really, really great movies where it was, you know, it, it wasn't an immediate hit or, you know, it, it was, you know, critically admired, but not a success at the box office or, sure. you know, and, and so it is, it is really nice occasionally to allow yourself to look back and be like, okay, I've like, I've worked on some pretty cool shit over the course of my career. Um, and it didn't always feel like it was <laughs> cool when it was happening, but, but it was cool. Well, yeah, it's just, um, <clears throat> if I look over, like just it's when I'm looking at these little pockets and like, I'm looking at the invitation cause I had that pulled up on yeah. MVP and I look on the other side of that is spy in St. Vincent and with infinitely yeah. polar bear. And I think of those four films that happened to like within the span of probably 18 months, the releases of all yeah. four of those films, I, you touched on four incredible movies in that period of time that just like it's, and you're still doing it to this day, you know, I, bombshell, incredible. Like you've done, it's just, I look at any oh. point on here, it's like, my God, all this work. It's so really great. And I love that you're able to dip into all these things that 
sort of they feel like my taste as well because oh, I'm not just one thing. I'm a, I love genre, yeah, movies, yeah. but I also love broad comedy. I love incredibly self serious, pretentious art house films, and it's just uh-huh. everything. They're all in my mind. They're all tied together, and so and I feel like that's rarely emulated in somebody's body of work. And I see that in your work where it feels like almost a mirror of my taste. It's really nice. And it's funny, you know, cause I, 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 when my career got started, um, it just, it just so happened that a lot of the movies that I did that were successful were comedies in the, in the beginning. And yeah. so that led to more comedies. And, um, and there were certainly periods where I felt like, you know, I, like that was what I was being considered for. And, and, um, and I've just been fortunate that, that some of the directors that I've worked with who started out in comedy have just sort of, you know, they've evolved and, um, and, you know, Ben has obviously evolved his language as a director in incredible ways. Um, and, you know, the same is true of Jay Roach and, you know, and, uh, So, so I've just been, I've been very lucky to get to sort of grow and evolve along with these directors. Oh yeah. And you look at somebody like Michael Showalter. Oh yeah. At that point where he is now. I know, I know it's incredible. And I've known, I've been friends with Michael since college. So um, it's been amazing to see, you know, his, his development and um, you know, I'm just, I'm so proud of him. Well, it's it's one of those things that I think you could really see all of those, all that potential very early on, because there were all these different elements of pop culture influence that wasn't just broad comedy that they were pulling into the, the work of the state or to Wet Hot American Summer. It was all over the place. It was this work that was just so knowledgeable about film history and television history. And I, yeah. I could see that you guys as a crew that everybody would kind of elevate out of that material. It just makes not, it makes perfect sense to me, honestly. When yeah. I mean, back you know, they're, they're, they're a smart bunch of guys and, um, and they, they are smart and silly. And, um, and it's really, it's really neat that, that, um, you know, just that they've all evolved artistically and um, it's, it, I've been fortunate to, to get to, you know, be part of some of those evolutions. So to to ask the most, I guess, pedantic question I possibly could, what, what are you going to do if you win the Emmy? Oh, God. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny, like, I will, um, I'll be, I'll be really psyched. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> of course you will uh, be. <laughs> 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 How's that for a really interesting answer? No, I mean, like it's honest. It's, it's so funny. I mean, you know, leading up to the nominations, I was just, you know, I was like, well, that, you know, I'm like probably not going to get nominated. Maybe I'll get nominated, but it won't go any further than that. And then I got nominated. And then, you know, it only takes like having one person say, like, I think you have a chance of winning where, where you're, where you're like, oh my God, I've got a chance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, um, you know, like it's, it, it's fine. You know, my, my friend, George Draculius, who was the music supervisor on, on, um, on severance and so many other things that we've done together with Ben, you know, was saying like awards are meaningless, but you should try to win as many of them as you possibly can. <laughs> and um, and <laughs> I, I, I fully embrace that. I can absolutely see that. And I'm, I'm definitely pulling for you because uh, I honestly, there's, 
just in, to me, this is the sign of a a great theme, a great title card is when I it's just etched in. It's you can't separate it from the show. And I think oh, of that great. severance title card and that music it ties together. To me, it's that's better call Saul has the same effect. Something mm-hmm. like Lost, wherever you whatever your yeah. thoughts are on that show, that single droning note, I think is one of the most effective yeah. it, title cards of probably the of television history. And I think yeah. you're you're in that mix, you know, oh, and that conversation cool. as you. far as just a really memorable thing. And it, and I think it just shows when you marry the right piece of music with the material, that's what it really takes. And that's what you've done here. And congratulations. No. All the accolades. Thank you well so deserved. much. Thank you so much. No, I, that, I, I really appreciate that. And thank you again for taking the time to do this and to, for rescheduling. So I, oh, yeah. I apologize for last week. I was on the road in North Carolina for business and it was just uh, no horrible about this because I've been looking forward to this conversation and wanting to talk to you for a while. So, Oh, that's great. No, no. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this and it was a real pleasure. Great. Thank you so much, Teddy. All right. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.